the undraftedfreeagent.com podcast with your host, Chris McKee. There's Samuel with the steal. Get your phones out. Tyree Samuel posterizes Alex Nawaga. Come on now. Lugans. Dort. Oh, my. Brzdikas with another steal. Spots up for three this time and drains it. Ignis Brzdikas. Electric first step. Blows by everyone. Kobe Elvis. He's got them all shook up. Keyshawn for three. And there it is. Keyshawn Bartholomew. You don't want to let him heat up. All day, Kyler Filowich. Can't stop him. Moncrief sneaks in the back door, hammers it down. Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Ooh. So welcome to the UndraftedFreeAgent.com college basketball podcast. My next guest is a forward entering his second season with the Wagner University Seahawks after spending three years at Pacific. I'm joined by one of Scarborough's finest, Jabril Price Noel. Jabril, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it a lot. So let's start off just with your health right now. I know you missed a good chunk of last season with a bit of a knee injury. What was the injury and kind of where are you right now with your health? Um, it was an MCL sprain. So thankfully I didn't have to get surgery. Um, took about a couple months off. It was pretty hard to digest at times, but it did help in terms of me being a student of the game and just slowing things down, but definitely killed me not to be out there. Um, eventually came back. We fell short of our ultimate goal of going to the NCAA tournament. Um, but I felt good, felt good going into the summer, felt healthy, um, tried out for U23 Canadian team, Canadian roster that had the uh, global games in Toronto, um, fortunately got cut, but another great experience for me. And ever since then, I've just, I've just been chucking away at, you know, therapy and just getting to work in. So, so well, your old head coach, Bashir Mason decided to move over to St. Peter's after Shaheen Holloway got the Seton Hall job. So. How was the summer and preseason under your new head coach, Donald Copeland? Um, it's been great. Actually, when I did enter the transfer portal initially, uh, Wagner was one of my first calls and one of my first phone calls was with Copeland um, initially before I even talked to Bosch first. Um, so we we already had that connection um, before he left to go to Seton Hall. He was here with us for a couple months, summer workouts and stuff like that before he announced he had to leave. So we kind of built a report beforehand. Um, and him and Bosch are ultimately close, so it's kind of like family. We all know we're all in the loop in terms of everything that's going on at each other's schools. And yeah, it's just been great so far. Honestly, like we kind of knew that that's the person we would want to, you know, take over the reins in terms of when Bosch would leave, um, because we're comfortable with him, and it's pretty much the same thing. We're not missing anything, and he understands the culture and what Wagner is, and you know, he embraces it. He's a guy who's been here since day one, and helped build the foundation of what what this is. And it's been going great, honestly. So did you guys have any kind of preseason tour or uh, anything like that going on? Uh, no, no, nah, not this year, no. No no, no, no exhibition games, or is that upcoming? Um, upcoming, actually, we have scrimmages coming up, uh, close scrimmages, but other than that, no. So I want to go back in time a bit, walk me through your career. So you're a young guy out of Scarborough, Ontario, my hometown as well, but you decided to play your high school ball at Southwest Christian Academy in Arkansas. I mean, what was it like when you first left? How old were you when you first left home? And how did you end up in Arkansas? Um, <laughs> it's been a wild journey, to say the least, honestly. Um, first left home when I was around 14, 15. The first time I went to John Carroll, actually, first um, in Maryland. Played with older vets of the likes of Kimball McKenzie, uh, Elijah Long, Naz Long's little bro. Who else am I missing? I'm Michael Asamoda. I'm trying to think of like all the names because these are guys that I consider, you know, uh, vets 
when it comes to Toronto basketball. Um, went over there for two years, then had a little stint in Maine, and then ended up doing my last year ultimately with my friends in Arkansas. I just, you know, thought it was a good idea to just be somewhere where I was comfortable, get the gift of exposure. Like we played against teams like uh, Penny Hardaway was coaching high school at the time, played against his team with James Wiseman, um, a lot of down south teams that had kind of a name and a rapport. And yeah, ultimately it was a great experience and that's what kind of led me to more exposure ultimately with recruitment and all that. So I've been involved involved with the BioSteel All-Canadian Week, doing some commentating. I do the Futures games and the slam dunk, a three-point contest. And that's where you kind of first came across my radar. You were a BioSteel All-Canadian in 2018. And one of the guys you played against was Lou Gens Dort, who just signed, what, an $83 million contract with Oklahoma City. So what do you remember just that entire week? And what was it like to compete against a guy like Lou? Um, it's, it's great, honestly. Like, I like more than people know, like we all kind of know each other because we've been playing against each other for so long. Like I can, you can name off anybody right now. I can tell you, I played against this guy since I was like seven, this guy since I was like 11, 14, whatever the case may be. I first actually crossed paths with Lou. I think it was um, at Hoop Dome. Forgot exactly what tournament, turn, tournament, but it was him, Junior Farquhar, uh, another bunch of good names out of uh, the Brooklyn Elite program. And, Honestly, it feels great to not only be in the company of guys that you look at now who are in the NBA making money and stuff like that, but also too in terms of like the companionship, like we all were friends genuinely, you know, so just seeing us all get to certain stages and certain platforms and having that platform was ultimately a great experience. So I know Lou well because I do the play-by-play for Orangeville Prep and the Athlete Institute. So I did all, uh, you know, his last two years of high school. And even then, Lou was all business. You know, most of the guys, the high school kids are just happy to be interviewed. But after, you know, if Lou had a big game, I'd be like, hey, Lou, you got a second. What do you want to talk to me about? Ask me to tell me what questions you're going to ask now before we go on camera. So he was like all business at like 17, 18. And so uh, his success is no surprise to me. But it was great to see. But um, just the whole, you know, bio still weak in that. I mean, just what do you remember most about that? Uh, what I remember most, honestly, just being there with the guys, having a fun time, making the most of it. Uh, we customized shoes at Nike Toronto. I believe, if I recall, I don't know where those shoes are at. So, let um, me wear some exclusive Kobe's. Just the whole, like, obviously, it's not going to ever live up to, you know, no disrespect, but it's not going to ever live up to, like, McDonald's All-American. But, you know, for our own guys, being on TSN for me, like, you know, that's a big deal. That was actually the first time my father seen me play live for, like, a long time. So that was a big deal for me, having family and friends. It was just, like, it felt like a whole big family reunion in a lot of ways. So... That's like the, the best part about it that I cherish. And also too, performing at a high level. I feel like I went out there, I showcased, you know, what I was able to do and that, you know, I'm not just here by accident. You know, I felt like I was there for a reason, so. So you initially committed to play for Pacific University under Toronto Raptors legend, Damon Stoudemire. Just take me through that recruitment process. Who else was involved and how did you end up at Pacific? Um, other schools at the time, like Eastern Tennessee, um, Eastern Michigan, and obviously Pacific. Went to Pacific for a visit, loved it. And yeah, went to play under the reins of Stoudemire, which was a big deal for me, ultimately being a Toronto Raptors fan. You know, my parents and my dad growing up on, you know, that type of era. And I learned a lot, definitely. Definitely learned a lot. Don't regret it. Um, went there, had a great three years. My second year there, we had a great year overall. Felt like we could have 
made a run for the tournament, uh, fell short in the WCC, you know, tournament in Vegas, but um, ultimately loved it. Academics was great. And yeah, Coach Sotomayor, Coach Sotomayor was everything you would assume him to be, quiet, cool cat, but very wise in a lot of ways, left us with a lot of lessons, you know what I'm saying? Because it was more so for him about life afterwards, because he knew, you know, for us, like not everybody, you know, reality check, not everybody's gonna, he knows what, what it takes to get to that stage, you know? So he knows not everybody's gonna have that chance, but you know, what are you gonna do, you know, to prepare yourself for life afterwards that, and he, he really taught me that, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I watched Damon play college ball. I'm old enough to remember him at Arizona and stuff yeah. and his, his entire Raptors career. I remember when he got booed when the Raptors drafted him because most of the Toronto fans wanted, who was it, Ed O'Bannon, who had just won the NCAA tournament and that. You yeah. ever talk to him about any any of that, his experiences as a Raptor um, and stuff? No, nah, definitely. Like, we, we would have conversations about, you know, uh, even, like, the smallest intricate details of, like, the Eaton Center or like, you know, certain places and things of the sort, you know, because obviously I'd ask him about the basketball stuff and, you know, he has stories for days and whatnot, but like, I actually wanted to see what the, the city meant for him also in a way. And like, you know, like everybody else, like they love and they rave about Toronto so much, like this, the food, the people, you know, the love that they receive. And um, it just, it was just cool to see like a guy that like, I looked up to, you know, my father and his friends admire you know, kind of not only having a relationship with that guy, but also him embracing the place that I'm from, you know what I'm saying? And actually knowing where things are and stuff like that. Cause he feels like, you know, like he's one of us still to this day, you know, you can ask him, you can, I can pick up the phone right now and talk to him about Toronto and he'll tell you a lot of information. So. Well, we'll get into Toronto in a bit. I want to pick your brain on some of your favorite food spots. Now we'll get to that in a minute, but um, you know, I wanted to chat a little bit about your time at Pacific and that, and I mean, you had the chance to play, you know, against Gonzaga, some really good teams, NBA guys, just kind of walk me through that experience. What's it like to play against, you know, Gonzaga, you know, in a full house against, you know, some, some big time players. Uh, well, Gonzaga, Gonzaga at full capacity is like, I would not compare it to Duke, but you know, in terms of West coast schools, like a very on TV, it seems like a big arena, but um, it's like, they're over, like, you know, like they're kind of like over you. Like, it just feels like the hands are under and all that type of stuff. But um, it was great, honestly, like not only the luxury of traveling and going to all these places, but ultimately playing basketball at a high level, um, regardless if I feel like I was successful or not. Like I actually got that experience to, you know, go to BYU and compete in a game, wide out, you know, like these experiences that you dream of as a kid. Definitely some high level players. And I'm glad that the WCC is getting more rec recognition now. Cause I always felt like also too, it's been a tough conference. Like, yeah, people talk about Gonzaga, St. Mary's BYU, but like now you see USF, you know, Pacific, we've always been grinding um, in that sort. Santa Clara, another school that not only has Canadians and has that Canadian tie, but another school that has always been a competitor of some sorts in that conference. You know what I'm saying? So um, ultimately, great experience over there. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it back for sure. So after three years at Pacific, you decided to put your name in the transfer portal and uh, you ended up at Wagner. Just walk me through that experience of, you know, being recruited again. And was, did you enjoy it or was it a bit more of a grind this time, a little bit more frustrating second time around? Um, it was, it was definitely weird. It feels like, I wouldn't say it feels like high school all over again, but definitely because you don't really picture it like you know when you initially go into college you're like okay you're signing away for four years 
this is where you're going to be. You don't ever envision, but things happen, you know, um, that's the reality of the game. And honestly, just going out there and just kind of not saying I was a free agent, but like, you know, just testing the waters again and finding a new home. That's like, as people consider the quote, oh, the grass is never greener on the other side, but like, who knows, is it like, is it not? It's a mental game. And also it's like, you know, a long-term game in terms of individual success. So it's a, I would say it's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's scary territory, but it's unknown territory, you know? Um, but ultimately chose Wagner close to home. Uh, loved the culture. Loved that um, the coaches wanted what's best for me long-term um, life after basketball. I just, I just fell in love with the process of just wanting to, to, to be more in terms of like my role and leadership and, you know, growing as a player. Cause I always know that like the basketball is going to stop one day, you know, but how do I want to leave my legacy? Sometimes it's not always about success and individual numbers and stats. Like, okay, like, you can leave your imprint of going to another school, winning a championship and playing an important role, which, you know, I feel like I did on last year's team. You know, it wasn't like I was averaging 40 minutes per game, but I came off the bench on a team with, you know, uh, an NBA caliber guy of Alex Morales, uh, Book, first team all-conference, Will, first team all-conference, you know, Quan, multiple people you can name off who are high caliber guys in a, in a very tough conference and a competitive conference. And I felt like I did that. Um, and I also decided to come back to it. I felt like I had that obligation and responsibility to not only finish the job, but also to like, you know, I'm a part of a family now. So it's about, you know, teaching these new guys now about what the culture is and like embracing the culture more so myself, you know, so. So I got on the Wagner bandwagon early last year. My son and I were sitting in and we were flicking through. I watch a ton of mid-major stuff and it was Wagner versus Bryant. And it was the overtime game kind of early, early in 2022. And I was like, I saw so I'm, I'm team Wagner. I jumped on the bandwagon and then you guys had a good, what was it about what 15, 16 in a row you won? I don't even remember exactly, but it was, it was a big number for sure. So yeah, I was like, Hey, so that why I was championing you. And that's why I ended up reaching out to your head coach yeah. and interviewing him. But you know, at the end of the day, you guys came one game short of getting to the NCAA tournament. Just talk me through, you know, walk me through the emotions of that between you and your teammates of, you know, so close, but uh, just couldn't get it done. Um, Definitely tough. Definitely tough. Um, a day that like, to this day, we, we remember, but we don't want to remember, but it's good to remember in terms of like, we never want to feel that ever again, if that makes sense. Um, and, and yeah. Like it was, it was a rough one because we already dropped the regular season championship. So everything kind of felt like the marbles on the line, all the marbles on the line, excuse me. Um, and it was a, it was a big time game to say the least, honestly, like very, like you have Peter Kiss, all these other guys, you know, highly told guys, highly told guys on our team, you know, the best of the best of the NEC head to head, you know, who could have asked for a better way to end off the season coming up. Sure, it hurts, honestly. It does because you feel like you're the better team. You feel like you prepared more. You feel like you've been through more to deserve that moment. But honestly, there's a lesson in all of this. And I'm fortunate enough to have another opportunity and another, another year to redeem that. Unfortunately, you know, the conference shifted a little bit in terms of, you know, people leaving. And, you know. Well, Brian's gone now, aren't they? Yeah, Brian's gone to. Uh, what the CAA, is it? I think CAA or American East, I believe. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, you know, but not saying like it's all about them, but in terms of like, you know, like things, things change and you ultimately feel like you want that one game back, you know, but our sights and our goals now are much more bigger, you know, because you can't live in the past. You got to live in the future. So 
So you mentioned, you know, you lose Alex Morales. He's been in a couple NBA training camps. I just saw he got signed with Orlando. I don't know if he got waived or what, but I mean, this is a guy that's kind of hovering. He's certainly going to get a G League shot, but um, how do you replace him this year? What are, you know, I don't know if you've brought anyone new or is this something maybe you kind of want to take a little bit more of an offensive role this year? Um, Personally, I think I'm I'm leaving that into the hands of of Donald Copeland. You know, I, I trust him in terms of, and I'm smiling because we, we just had a great conversation the other day um, in terms of just like how he sees everything unfolding. Um, and it's truly going to be a team effort, you know, and I think it's I think for me, it's beautiful because it's like it gives me the chance to step up and, and always be that leader that I wanted to be. And that doesn't mean it has to be statistically, but it's just the way the look of certain things and just how do how we do things, you know, um, and letting things take care of itself, just doing the dirty work, the grind being consistent, being the same person every day. That's the things I'm chasing right now. And he's leading me towards that. So I'm honestly trusting him because, you know, I feel like, you know, he has the plan. He has the vision. He knows what it takes. He's been there before, not only as a coach, but as a player too. Went to Seton Hall, had great years there when the Big East was the Big East. You know, he's been through some battles. So yeah, man, like I, I trust Cope in terms of whatever he's doing. And also too, I feel like guys are ready to step, step up, um, returning guys. And we have new pieces that I feel like can, can definitely help this year and they're they're embracing the culture so so let's talk some scarborough mention off the top you and i are both scarborough guys i'm born and raised i don't know if you know there's a, in the 80s they used to have a flag of scarborough and yeah. i have that tattooed on my left arm and you gotta send me that you gotta send me that you gotta send I, me. I'll, show, I'll show you the link of it but um so what area did you grow up in and uh, what do you remember most about your day your early days in scarborough um scarborough um honestly i was I was born, like, born, born downtown, uh, Women's Hospital. I remember that for sure because my mom always reminds me of that. Um, but grew up, in particular, my grandmother's house, which is, like, McCown and Finch area. One of my grandmothers lived in McCown and Finch, and one of my grandmothers was basically, like, Warden and Finch. So it was kind of, like, literally, like, 10 minutes apart. Also grew up a little bit on Fleming Park um, in terms of my grandfather worked at the center, actually, right there. So I'd spend my days there for daycare and stuff like that. So, and most of my family grew up over there as well, but moved over to like around Morningside, Kingston area. Could have went to Pope, didn't go to Pope. I went to Mother Teresa. Uh, I knew more people over there. I felt more comfortable. So shout out to MT. No disrespect to anybody else, but I love MT. And yeah, most vivid memories, honestly, is just the everyday city, like taking the TTC, Tim Hortons, going to Scarborough Town Center with your friends on a Tuesday night teen night you know ymca you can end up at the ymca and you can end up at the movies and then you can end up with a junior chicken fries and a sprite all with like ten dollars in your pocket in one day like you know what i'm saying like it's just certain things of 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 that sort um and just being my friends and late nights of hooping and just venturing off in a city like that's the, the moments i feel like i embrace the most and also high school basketball i feel like i feel like when i entered high school School, that was like the last peak era of like true Toronto, like Henry Carr, Mother Teresa was still somewhat Mother Teresa. Orangeville Prep was now in the, in the mix, but it was still like, it was still, you know, St. Michael's, Vaughn, like those are still, you know, heavy hitters, heavy names. And I, I witnessed some heavy clashes as well. So for sure. So you mentioned Mother Teresa. I have so I played high school basketball at Cardinal Newman. I I was more of a hockey player and soccer player, but because I was a good athlete, I was a starting point guard on my basketball team. And my memories, the most intense place I ever went, we went up to MT 
And, you know, I'm a, I'm a white guy, a little white guy. And, the, man, I've never heard it from a crowd. For those unfamiliar, the Malvern area, you know, not so many white people up there. And I have it was the most intimidating atmosphere I've ever played in. And they were on me from the second I walked in. And also because I wore number 23, this is the early 90s, and I didn't even pick the number. They just gave me 23. So everyone's like, this white boy thinks he's Jordan. And it was just the, the, I was, the intimidation factor was so crazy. I, I remember it. And also... When I was 15 years old, I was a Dickie D bicycle driver. So for those unfamiliar in the Toronto area, we would sell ice cream kind of on a bicycle with a freezer on front. And I, my area was Malvern and I got robbed outside of Mother Teresa. We would all meet at Mother Teresa at 8 p.m. and drive back. Yeah. And I got robbed outside MT. Uh, hey, man. Hey, shout, shout out to the Vern. Um, definitely shout out to the Vern. Shout out to Mother Teresa. Uh, love that place, man. That, that place definitely uh, grew me to be a stronger person. Definitely a tough area, but it's definitely a, a great community in some sorts, you know, as well. Um, so how did you manage to steer clear of some of the negative things, you know, of that area? Because, um, hey, I mean, we all have great memories, but it's not exactly, uh, the, you know, the best area in the city. Honestly, one, having good guidance from friends and family, for sure, definitely. But two, also, too, like, I, I give MT and the basketball program a lot for this, too. Like, it was definitely, like, a family-oriented thing. Um, where like if you noticed talent, if you knew like a kid was, you know, good, you would kind of be like, yo, like stay over there, like, you know, or don't go over here or whatever the case may be. And I had a lot of people that were in my ear in good ways of just telling me to just stay focused and just, yo, go hoop, just play ball, just go hoop, play ball, go home, do your homework, you're a good kid, there's nothing wrong with being a good kid. And these are guys who, you know, like maybe viewed by other people in a negative light, you know, guys who I consider, I want to say, you know, you look up to, but like, these are my friends, you know what I'm saying? I grew up with them. Unfortunately, yeah, you know, things happen and, you know, the community and your environment is your environment. So I don't blame nobody. But at the same time, like, you know, I had people around me with genuine hearts and genuine intent enough to tell me like, yo, like, this is not it, you know, just focus on this and look how far you can go. And as hard as it's been sometimes, as much as it's been a sacrifice and, you know, not even being home sometimes hurts, like, yo, like there's certain times I'm like, I wish I can go get a patty right now or I can go like, you know, like there's certain things I would want to do and, and be home and do with my friends. But at the same time, like those those people who told me to make that sacrifice, look how far it's gotten me. So I, I not only thank them, you know, but I appreciate them because that's what, you know, led me all the way over here. So you mentioned beef patty. You, you, you stole my next question. Best beef <laughs> patty in Scarborough. Who, who do you rate? Oh, man. I'm going to say Allen's because I always get the... I always get the the bunch from my family. Like I actually go into the store, get the whole like catering bunch, and I get the the uh, cocoa like you know cocoa buns, all that. Like I'm getting the whole nine. I'm leaving there with the cream soda, everything. Like you know, so. So I, for my money, Warden Station can't beat it. That's that's the best. Yeah, Warden, I've had. Warden Station definitely is up there too. Let me shout out Warden Station. Warden Station is definitely up there <laughs> for sure. Before before you hit Kennedy Station, because I always come off of it come off at Kennedy Station. That's always my last stop. So if you're hungry late at night, early, whatever the case may be, they're always there, reliable source for sure. So I said, I know I always see you tweeting different hip hop stuff. I know, you know, big fans. So who, trust me, I, even for an old white guy, I stay in tune of who's <laughs> good. So who are some of the guys you're listening to right now? Um, honestly, I feel like I, I can have this conversation with you. Um, and I don't even tell, I only tell people like who are real, like, like close to me, like that even listen to this stuff. I listen to a lot of things. Like I'm very tapped in and very uh, versatile with, 
you know, um, what I listen to. But right now, personally, I'm a big Griselda fan, big West Side Gun fan, Conway the Machine, Benny the Butcher. Um, I love the resurgence of Nas right now. I think, like, him and Hit Boy just kind of really, like, made Nas take off again. It's just, there's so there's a lot of guys right now. I don't lie. There's a lot of guys, but Griselda, I'd say, is my number one for sure. Definitely. Baldy James is on, in there as well. I like Freddie Gibbs. I like, everybody loves like the Drakes and, you know, the little babies and all that type of stuff. But I'm like, you know, like I grew up on like the Nas, the Jay-Z, you know, I got taught about Jay Dilla, MF Doom, you know, so for me, it's a little bit different. Like, obviously, yeah, I pay attention to that side of the game, but I pay attention to like, you know, the Kendricks and these guys also a little bit more because that's like, for me, that's like the truest, truest, you know, hip hop. So. So I'm team Nardo Wick. That's my guy right now. That's, I'm obsessed, <laughs> you know, yeah. what I love about him is, you know, his videos aren't just, you know, a bunch of guys standing around with red cups. They're a little mm -hmm. bit, it's almost kind of Kendrick-esque where he puts money into it. There's creativity. The visual of it mm -hmm. is something different. So, I mean, I love his music, but I also love his videos as well. No, no doubt. No doubt. For sure. So for those that don't know, before I worked in the media, I was an award-winning concert promoter and booking agent, including being the booking agent for the Wu-Tang Clan for over 12 years and a bunch of others, Royce the Five Nine. I produced concerts for, you know, The Roots, Rihanna, The Black Eyed Peas. I wrote a book called Life on the Road with the Wu-Tang Clan. You can check it out. But Wagner is in Staten Island, home of the Wu-Tang Clan. So, you know, how familiar, you know, talk to me what it's like. Do, do any of their song lyrics make more sense now that, you know, you're in Staten Island. Um, I, I, I would say definitely, but I feel like it's just more, more so the aura. Um, I feel like you can just, you feel what they're, they're, they're saying more so, you know what I'm saying? And like, you can, you can feel the sounds. Um, there's murals here and there. If you're just riding around in the city of the Wu, um, if you see black and yellow, you automatically just think because you're Staten, you're in Staten Island, make the correlation. Um, but yeah, you can just definitely feel the vibe. And also too, like if you watch the Hulu series, like it's a lot of, you know, the same things and like it literally looks exactly the same. So, yeah. I'll show you this. So when I was on tour with the Wu-Tang Clan, they made me get a Wu-Tang tattoo. So <laughs> as you can see, so yeah. it's on my arm. So I am certified Wu-Tang, believe it or not. Ghostface Killer made me get that. We spent a month on the road together and they were kind of making fun of some of my other tattoos. They said, yo, where's your Wu-Tang tattoo? And I was like, oh, yeah, no. they said, no, 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 if you make it through this entire tour and we don't end up like effing you up, you're getting yeah. a Wu-Tang tattoo. So <laughs> last night of the tour, I got, it was, we ended up in London, Ontario, because we went across Canada, came back. And then last night of the tour was in London, Ontario. So I got one of my tattoo guys to, from Toronto to come down with us. And we all sat in the hotel room in London and they, I got my Wu-Tang tattoo. That's dope. So, that's dope. Shout out to That's dope. That's what's up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we got a couple minutes left here, but um, I was looking online today and I saw that uh, your mom is a, is a yoga teacher yeah. and yoga has been an important part of my life over the past couple of years, helped change my life. So she's talking about maybe, you know, I, I'm assuming you've practiced. How, how young were you the first time your mom brought you to yoga? Um, when she, honestly, I would say it was more so through my frustrations of like, I wasn't able to touch my toes and I was like 12 years old and I was just like, you know, and then I think around that same time, she started developing, like, she always had the passion for yoga. She always used to do it. Um, but right right around the time when I was, like, 14, 15, I think she really, like, indulged of, like, becoming the teacher instead of the student. And, like, at first, it wasn't even I Rise Yoga. It was Yoga for Ballers because she had, you know, this, the vision of 
you know, trying to introduce basketball players um, to the importance of yoga, but then it eventually morphed into something else and much bigger. And, you know, I'm thankful and proud of where she is right now. But the, but she taught me the importance from a young age, honestly. So around 12, when I wasn't able to touch my toes all the way to now, um, she still calls me. She's like, oh, do you need a roller? Do you need straps? Do you need, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, nah, cool. I have my own little routine, you know, before I go to sleep, you know? Um, and honestly, it's a, it's a game changer, you know, and not only just basketball, but honestly, just for like daily movement and life in general, you know, like I don't like feeling stiff. I don't like feeling rusty. I don't like feeling like a couch potato. You know, I like feeling like, you know, free and my body's able to move and wiggle because that's how I, you know, move around on the court, being long and versatile that I am. And ultimately, open up, you know, it opens up my game as well um, because I used to have bad hips as well. So definitely changed the game for me big time with that so like every night people look at me in the hallways like yo why are you stretching like you look old I'm like yo like it, it may look it may seem like an old person thing but like trust me like it, it completely like it makes me feel a lot more better going to sleep waking up you know etc so yeah for me it was like you know I dealt with depression for many years and um it helped just the mental clarity it provided me because I was I'm a hot yoga guy um, yeah. and it just completely changed my life and I'm, I'm so thankful for it. And it's, no, uh, and, and yeah, as an old guy, it does help keep me a bit more, you know, nimble yeah. and stuff like that as yeah. well. So definitely. And, and, and to touch on the mental note, sorry about that, but like, you know, like you said, like definitely helps with the mental game of things and it all correlates because my mom even told me about like how stress plays into like your tightness of your hips and your knees and your nips, your hips are connected to your knees and knees connected to your feet. Like, you know, like it all there's a parallel with all of it, you know, and um, it definitely has helped me in terms of like anxiety and just overthinking as, as well. So I want to wrap up your just last couple of questions here, Chris McKee with Jabril Price Noel at Wagner. And so one, what's the ceiling for Wagner this year? And two, kind of what's your ceiling personally as a player? Uh, ceiling, um, we want to go get a banner, honestly, like that's the goal. Uh, that's what Cole comes into the gym yelling every day. Um, we have our good days, we have our bad days, but I, I feel like we're heading in the right direction. Um, and I'm confident in literally everybody that we have, one through 13, I'm confident in all the coaches that we have and the things that they're saying and they're, that, that they're telling us in order to win. And it's just up to us to go hard every day and practice and execute. Me personally, I just want to go out there, have fun, you know, whatever that looks like, whatever that feels like. I'm not worried about stats, I just want to win because ultimately, like, I fell in love with winning and being here at Wagner, it means a lot, you know, not only to the culture, but like, you know, like the way of doing things. You fall in love with this process so much and putting in the work to get to these W's, to get to these tournaments, you know, to get to these championship games. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, Jabril, I can't thank you enough for doing it. I really appreciate your time. And uh, I'll be rooting for you guys this year, definitely. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. The Undrafted Freeagent.com podcast with your host, Chris McKee. There's Samuel with the steal. Get your phones out. Tyree Samuel posterizes Alex Nawaga. Come on now. Lugans. Dort. Oh, my. Brzdikas with another steal. Spots up for three this time and drains it. Ignis Brzdikas. Electric first step. Blows by everyone. Kobe Elvis. He's got them all shook up. Keyshawn for three. And there it is. Keyshawn Bartholomew. You don't want to let him heat up. All day, Kyler Filowich. They can't stop him. Moncrief! Sneaks in the back door, hammers it down. Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Ooh!